0: Money FM eighty nine point three, best of workday afternoon. Good afternoon, and welcome to Market View on Money FM eighty nine point three. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined by JP Ong, who's looking rather dapper today. I'm wondering. Was it a good Valentine's Day weekend then?
1: Uh, bah humbug. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I do not believe that Hallmark needs to get richer off of me.
0: Oh, you <laughs> cynic. You're uh, too young uh, to uh, be no, cynical. And, and, and,
1: and the flip side of that is every other day is Valentine's Day, if you're a lucky girl.
0: Okay, now I want a gag.
1: <laughs> there you go. All right,
0: markets are down. It's just down.
1: More markets have opened down. And mind you, it's not because of that cheesy one-liner that I just threw out. The markets have been trading in the red since the start of this morning. But it's a negligible loss, about five percent in the red, we're still at 3,214 points. The region itself is uh, also rather mixed. Most major markets also trading with losses today, but meager ones, except for Japan. The Nikkei 225 is down by about 0.8%. So that's a bit of a more notable intraday loss, at least for Japan. Not the best start to the trading week, at least for markets in Tokyo. Chinese markets, though, are looking rather strong despite this continued worry about the novel coronavirus, or as we call it now, COVID-19, right? Shanghai is up by about 1.5%. Shenzhen Bourse is up by 2% today. The Hang Seng also up by about half a percent. One of the big moves that really supported sentiment in major Chinese markets today was a move by the People's Bank of China to lower the the rate on the medium-term lending facility. So this is just one of the facilities they extend to banks, and they've lowered the Rate or the cost of money in this particular facility by about 10 basis points, so 0.1%. Now, this is seen as a big move because it makes the liquidity in Chinese markets a bit easier, at least, or a bit more flexible, which thus is seen as a way to support the Chinese market. And it's also is seen as a bit of a preview to Thursday's decision, where many are expecting the PBOC to cut the benchmark loan prime rate, which will be akin to lowering policy rates or interest rates on the on the part of the People's Bank of China. So this is at least keeping markets in China afloat. And I think it's also what's keeping losses across the region down to a minimum. We're down by five points, despite the fact that we did report uh, rather lackluster and not exactly exciting GDP figures recently either.
0: All right. Well, not exciting GDP figures is a lot better than
1: crash and burn GDP figures, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. um, But unfortunately, there is a chance that we might see, I would say crash and burn. There could be a couple of fires we'll have to put out if the new forecast, at least, by the Ministry of Trade and Industry actually happens. So they've lowered the forecasted GDP growth range for this year, to between neg- negative 0.5% to 1.5% growth. Right. So there is a possibility that for this year, we might see a contraction which would put us in recessionary territory. Mm-hmm. So I will have to say that the messaging leading up to this is- announcement, it has been gradual. I think uh, some of the government officials are probably trying to prepare us for this. We did hear from Prime Minister Li Lung last Friday, where mm-hmm. he said that, you know, things aren't looking too rosy. I'm not going to sugarcoat things, guys but uh, there is a possibility we might face a recession. Half a percent in the red. This will make the next, since we're about two months into the year, the next four months at least very, very crucial and key also because if we do see a contraction in this quarter, and there is a chance we do, and we see a contraction in the second quarter also, then that will officially put us in a technical recession, which we narrowly avoided by the skin of our teeth just last quarter also. Sure. So, so these are some of the things we we're looking out for. and I, And I think one of the reasons also... Perhaps why we're not selling off or selling everything but the kitchen sink at the moment is the fact that I think folks are really just locking in or honing their sights on tomorrow's budget. There have been um, promises from De- deputy prime minister Hingsby Cat of possible support packages, relief packages, at least for consumers, for small businesses mm. that are gonna parse through. And I think everyone's just really holding their breath to see if there's gonna be enough in the budget, enough firepower to throw at it to maybe just maybe just avoid another technical recession. But I think recession dodging is gonna be the name of the game for some of our economic ministers, at least, or for at least uh, the next six, maybe two or three quarters.
0: You're absolutely right. Everybody's <coughs> eyes will be on the budget tomorrow. And I think even the Ministry of Finance would have had to have relooked whatever they were planning to deliver in tomorrow's budget when
1: COVID-19 hit us. I think so. Maybe more additional policy, additional action on their part. There was speculation before COVID-19 actually hit the shores of Singapore, that the government was going to throw some extra stimulus, actually. In fact, this is what some of the analysts we've spoken to over the last couple of months have said, that there is a lot of room in the toolbox of not just of the MAS, but also of the of the finance ministry and also of the government itself to throw fiscal stimulus mm-hmm. should we need that. Mm-hmm. And I think the urgency for that, at least from the point of view of the markets, from the point of view of economy watchers here, I think it's grown a lot more, maybe two, threefold because of the novel coronavirus outbreak. You know, These things don't last forever, but how bumpy and how bruising it's going to be over the next two quarters, that's something we'll have to gauge. And can we make the ride less bumpy? I think is the big question, right? And can we avoid a possible technical recession? Because with that, you might see lost jobs. With that, you might see lower investment. With that, you might see analysts revising their earnings expectations for some of these companies here. There's a lot at stake here. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the game plan is that the folks at the ministry will lay out. What are, I guess, our economic coaches, for lack of a better term, what kind of strategy they're going to come up as we face the next couple of months. It's going to be bruising.
0: Well, all eyes will be on the budget tomorrow here at MoneyFM 89.3. We will have it for you. We'll be following it. We'll be covering it. We'll have all the latest news. And we'll be passing down through all that information to perhaps make it easier for you to understand it. Now, Singapore is not the only country that's looking at clouds in their economy and maybe what it will do. In the short term, Japan as well has yeah, yes. made comments um, I, I about will,
1: this. I will say that if we're 10 steps away from a possible recession, Japan might be about three steps away from a possible right. recession. Because what you need for a recession to actually happen is two consecutive quarters of economic contraction when you compare it to the previous quarter. So basically, yeah. if uh, in the fourth quarter you saw your economy contract versus the third quarter... And then in the first quarter, you see it contract even more than that's a technical recession, right? Japan's economy in the fourth quarter contracted by fell analyzed 6.3% in the October to December period. And uh, it also followed a revised 0.5% gain in July to September. And this is one of the biggest contractions in Japan's economic history since last decade. And I think the fact, it's a bit unfortunate because about three months ago, Japan enacted a sales tax, which they felt was very important to shore up financing for their government. You have an aging population. You've got all these government bonds that are out there. Debt to GDP ratios of close to 500%. So imagine for every dollar you make in your economy, you've got $5 of debt somewhere there, mm-hmm. right? Mm. So there, you need to finance that in some way. And I think that what they, what they realized was we need to start shoring up our finances. This is painful, but we'll need to do t- a sales tax hike. We might see a contraction because of this. And apparently the contraction, at least, or the shrinkage during that time in the December quarter was bigger than expected. GDP falling in analyzed 6.3% in that particular space. And that's not taking into account the possible impact of the novel coronavirus, which will happen in this quarter also. Right. It's arguable that they're probably facing even an even tighter no- noose or you're just facing more pressure, I think, on their economy also than say Singapore. Not that I'm saying the word in a great spot. I think the sense of urgency is not lost on some of our economic managers here. I think it's also one of the reasons why Japan is probably seeing some of the bigger losses in the Asia-Pacific region at the moment, down by 0.8%. Again, it's not a big sell-off, but it's considerably bigger than what you're seeing in some of these other markets that are not in greater China.
0: I don't think that anyone will be unscathed in the Asia-Pacific region. I certainly don't think China will be unscathed from the COVID-19.
1: Well, I mean, they're front and center, right? I mean, this is the source of it, pretty much. And I don't mean this to denigrate mainly China, but they're arguably facing some of the biggest headwinds of them all, perhaps not a traction. But when some economists like the folks at Credit Agricole, say that, you know, the Chinese economy in the first quarter, the growth might slow down to as much as three and a half percent. When was the last time we saw the Chinese economy grow that that slowly? Perhaps you have, probably have to go back to the 70s or maybe I don't the early know. Maybe 80s. Maybe I wasn't
0: walking then.
1: <laughs> I, I, again, no comments. It's a Monday. I promise to be nice. But yeah, but you see the gravity also it's impacting China. And, and it's going to start cascading not just across the Asia Pacific, but even across other major economies. The Eurozone's taken note of this. Germany, in particular, is also quaking their boots because they're worried of a possible recession because China happens to be arguably their biggest trading partner. And Germany, people forget, is trade matters to Germany more than any country in the Eurozone and arguably more than any country in the world. They're one of the top. 10 biggest trading economies that run on trade pretty much the u.s has said the same thing also i mean larry kudlow has said the white house economic advisor that uh, this could actually uh, make a dent we could probably take a small hit from this also but they're still remaining rather positive that the strong economy will see them through but nevertheless they're saying brace yourselves we could take a hit on the side of the hull.
0: all right um, well let's go back to our local markets on the sdi Who are the biggest gainers today?
1: Oh, well, here's the interesting thing. There is one notable gainer on the Straits Times Index today, and that happens to be who I affectionately call last year's champion of the STI. and That's Thai Beverage. So Mm. as we know, they ran away with the title of best performing stock of the STI for 2019, up by about 43, 44 percent. Yep. And they're Um, still doing it. Take a look at them today. They're up by 6.4 percent. And that's a jump. It's pretty impressive. And they're also one of the three most heavily traded stocks today. Eighty-three and a half cents is worth Thai beverage sits at the moment. And you really just have credit to good old fashioned strong earnings. Their first quarter, though well, their fiscal first quarter, they, their fiscal year starts in October. Mm-hmm. So for the October to December period, they saw net income jump by fourteen percent, eight point four billion, bought about three hundred and eighty million Singapore dollars. And they said it was led by the improvements in the spirits business. Keep in mind Thai beverage, beers, liquors. Spirits, and also and it was the
0: festive period in it that was, quarter that you're
1: talking yes, about. Yes, it was quite the festive period, also, and also the. But when you look at it in terms of seasonality, that means they made 14% more profits than in the festive period of 2018. Right. So I guess well, dare I use the pun? The spirits are strong with Thai Beverage at the moment. <laughs> oh, um, no. Revenue is also rising by 4.2%, and it's also on the back of increase in sales across their four business segments. So one of the reasons why Thai Beverage did so well last year is because they started to the see. The fruits of this very ambitious and rather risky strategy of acquiring all of these assets abroad. So they acquired for the Saigon Beer Sabeco in Vietnam, which gave them a very strong foothold in the Vietnamese market, which also young and growing very fast. And you've also got consumers really starting to ramp up their disposable income there. And uh, and uh, and folks are wondering, like, is it worth the risk to take on all of these new assets? Well, I think the answer, based on what we've seen in 2019, is a resounding yes, because of revenues coming at 4.2% higher. And they've also been able to optimize or make their operations more efficient because you've got sales growing by 4%, but you've got net income jumping by 14%. You'll have to credit it to, to good management. And they've also said that the spirits business or their liquor business, basically, they saw profits that rise by 26% net profit for beer uh, and net profit for beer was uh, did fall though by fifty seven percent. So you're seeing that it seems that the spirits business is starting to tr- take over the driver's seat at least for Thai beverage. And I think the big question now for Thai beverage: is, Okay, we've seen you reap the fruits of your labor, of your acquisitions. Mm. And when you compare that also to how, how I guess, soft the Thai economy has been also, there's not a lot of high hopes that the Thai consumer will be strong. It's an aging population. You've got Thailand has said that they might see a GDP grow only by about 2 to to 2.4% this year. That's but, pretty slow for what's still considered a developing country, right? Um, the fact that they performed this well is very impressive for a Thai conglomerate also. But I think the question now is, OK, we're heading into what might be an even more turbulent year in terms of economic headwinds for Thailand. You've reaped most of your a lot of your, the fruits of your labor last year. Can you continue? Can you sustain some of this growth or will you need to embark on a new strategy moving forward? As we mentioned, you know, the markets, they're ever demanding. They're more demanding than, than a difficult girlfriend, I think. I so. wouldn't know
0: anything about that, JP, <laughs> yes, but, but still. after <laughs> Valentine's Day weekend, maybe you could uh, shed some light on uh, uh, that. No,
1: oh, if you if you, if you you knew me six years ago, then yes. Oh boy, would I had a story to tell you. But <laughs> that, that was one. then and this is now.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Tai Bev, obviously uh, the star performer right now. Mm-hmm. Looking at the rest of the day, are we going to hold firm above 3200? Do you
1: think? I think it's safe to say that the odds that we're going to fall below it are pretty slim. Mm-hmm. We're down by about five points. We've held on to this uh, particular loss. You're seeing value turnover also looking just a little thinner than usual 462 million at the moment. Okay. We Usually around this time of day, we see it flirting with 500 million. So we're still a touch, just a couple of hairs. Below the daily average yeah. in terms of turnover. So I think the mood at the moment in, 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 on the trading floors. I wouldn't be surprised if most people are just waiting for the budget and saying, wait, let's wait to see what the response is of the government, what the response of the budget and if the measures they introduce. If we ascertain, let's ascertain if the measures they possibly introduce, if it's going to be enough to possibly avoid an economic mm. contraction mm. if it's going to be enough to bolster some of the some of the sentiment of businesses especially the small and medium enterprises who might get hit by this covid-19 outbreak the worst and also to see what kind of uh, measures they will in, enact to help perhaps even just throw more firepower or throw more measures or more plans at this uh, to keep this covid-19 outbreak from spreading and, and some health ministers have also admitted that you know there is a chance this could spread even further before it starts to peak. We might sure. not see the peak yet. So we just have to brace ourselves. But it'll all depend on... I think investors are probably just waiting to see what the game plan is so they can just parse through the details and see, OK, is this going to be enough to calm us down? Or is this going to confirm some of the more pessimistic views out there that this is going to be a tough year for the Singaporean economy and markets?
0: Well, all eyes again. I say on the budget tomorrow and here at Money FM 89.3, we will be right with you with Budget Conversations. And also the highlights from the budget. Stay with us. It is Money FM eighty nine point three. Today's market view was with JP Ong and Clarissa Montero. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.